Well, thank you. Thank you, Mark and Elaine and Kendi, wherever. Oh, she's back now, Mark. <laughs> better speaker. <laughs> better speaker. Um, apologies, I have a little bit of a cold. On uh, was it Wednesday, I was holding my two-year-old daughter. She gazed into my eyes, all cute, and then went <coughs> right into my face. And I felt like Superman encountering kryptonite. I didn't know what to do, just not drop her. And just said, I love you too, put her down, got a sore throat later in the day, but I'm feeling better. So that's what it's like when you have kids. Um, it is such an honor to be back here. I've, we've come back a couple times now that we moved back from Israel. Uh, Prairie is one of those places that feels like home and it, it was home for a period for us. I, I was, I think, on campus for just over five years and I went through uh, Rick Down as the president my first year, and then John Olhauser, and then I got to meet Mark later. I know some of the professors, ran into Kevin Peters and Glenn, uh, Glenn Lowen this morning, and others that are still here, the Warriors. And um, it's just an amazing thing to come back here because I don't want any of you to take this for granted. Um, when you see all the alumni, I mean, they sure don't. But when your time here is such an investment and you can take a hold of it and allow the Lord to use you or you can waste it, you really can. It's your choice. You've come here for a reason. God has tugged your heart and brought you here, but it's still up to you. Uh, he is faithful, of course, but it's still up to you. And when I was here, it was a time of growth, challenges. Uh, there was hardships. There was joy. Um, it was just being stretched in an incredible way. And I will always value my time here at Prairie. I always will speak well of Prairie because it's just one of those uh, pinnacle points in my life. And not only did it, uh, I met my beautiful wife, though it wasn't the whole bridal college thing because she uh, transferred to the University of Lethbridge when we started dating, actually. So just as a side note, um, <laughs> Yeah, you can always see the third and the fourth year singles getting like perspiring and looking around, <laughs> right? Right? You know what I'm talking about. I, I lived with many of them. And uh, no, <laughs> I didn't know I was going to get up here and start joking. I better actually get very serious and talk to you a little bit about Bridges for Peace. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the organization, then my beautiful wife will share a little bit of our testimony and our journey from Prairie and beyond. Uh, but as you saw a little bit in the video, Bridges for Peace is a very unique ministry. I think all ministries are very unique. Um, I think uh, ministries aren't just for educated Christians. God calls every single one of us through the blood of the Lamb to be a witness and to be a light in this world. So ministry or missions isn't just for the select few. Um, you can be in ministry anywhere, whether it's businesses, careers, different things like that, stay-at-home mom, whatever. You can do a, a ministry, whatever place you find yourself in. But God led us into the ministry of Bridges for Peace, and I'd always had a love and a passion for Israel and the Jewish people, and it wasn't just my thing. I felt a real burden to teach it and to share it and to dig deeper into what this is all about. And so Bridges for Peace is a little snapshot of history. Started in 1976, and we started on a really firm educational platform like Prairie. Our founder, Dr. G. Douglas Young, was an academic. He was a scholar. He was also an evangelist, but he really was a scholar. Um, he was one of the leading scholars in ancient Semitic languages in the world. 
and he taught at different universities and seminaries in Canada, the US. He was a missionary kid from Korea, which would later become North Korea. And, uh, but that was the route, and him and his wife moved to Israel in 1963, and they founded the Holy Land Bible Institute, which became the Jerusalem University College of the Bible, which is in partnership with the Hebrew University. And so that was what he was doing. He was teaching the Bible because he was seeing a huge neglect, um, which we still see today. Biblical illiteracy is so high it's, it's really tragic among, the, among Christians in the church. So we need to value the word of God. And it's a, such a precious thing. But he was seeing this neglect with the Bible. But he was also seeing a disconnect between Christians and Jews. Actually, more than a disconnect, a chasm between Christians and Jews. The, that Israel wasn't being taught or a prophecy wasn't being taught. That these things, and, and I'm just talking generally in, in colleges or churches, that these were things that G. Douglas Young saw. And when he moved to Israel, he opened up these uh, institutions where he taught. But further on, by 1976, he launched Bridges for Peace. And Bridges for Peace would be like the practical um, arm of the education that he was so grounded in. And so Bridges for Peace has two components to it. We are a Christian ministry. We love Jesus. We are Jesus' people. We're not trying to be Jewish. We don't want Christians to become Jews. We absolutely love Jesus. He is our Messiah. But we see there's two sides of what we do. Uh, we're in nine countries around the world, and what we're doing is we're reaching out to the church because we're like a parachurch ministry. We love the church. We're part of the church. We come alongside the church, and we teach Israel, and we and teach the Bible, and we take people to Israel, and we offer opportunities to volunteer and opportunities for Christians to get in touch and connect with Jewish people and bridge that gap. And on the Jewish side, we're showing unconditional Christ-like love to the Jewish people, and we're being witnesses in both word and deed. And so we're feeding over 22,000 needy Israelis every month. 10% are Arab. Now the reason, as G. Douglas is young, his vision was between Christians and Jews. But we're not anti-anybody. And so we do support Arabs as well. But predominantly our focus has always been to the Jewish people. And so we feed over 22,000 needy Israelis, delivering between about 60 to 70 tons of food. We do hospital visitations. We've repaired over 1,200 homes. We work in schools with, with children, impoverished children. We've helped immigrants arrive in Israel. We help newly arrived uh, immigrants uh, get involved in Israeli life. We visit people that have been affected by uh, terror and war. Uh, we do all kinds of incredible things. We work with Holocaust survivors, Ethiopian Jews, all kinds of people. And it is an amazing thing. And we're really, when you break it down, we're a reconciliation ministry. Now, beyond Jewish people, I mean, you think of other groups of people. Reconciliation, the Lord is reconciling people in this world to himself. Reconciliation is such a key thing. But the Jewish people are very unique because it's a very historical thing of how they see Christians. And without getting into it, the last 2,000 years have been like a festering wound to many, many, many Jewish people. Even if they didn't encounter it directly, they know about it, they hear about it because they pass it along. And what I'm talking about 
was theologies that were very anti-Jew that developed into things like anti-Semitism on behalf of people that called themselves Christian throughout history. Now, we can argue were they born again or not or whatever, but these are people that went into big buildings with crosses on them, that sang hymns, that read our Bible, and that yet preached the hatred of Jewish people that often turned into physical things, killing them, taking their belongings in the name of Christ. And I'm just giving you a snapshot of what, how Jewish people see this. And, and I'm not going to have this, whether they were Bible-believing, most of these people probably weren't. But the perceptions that Jewish people have and the debt we owe to them were grafted in, Paul says, our nourishment comes from the root. We don't replace it, but we receive our root and we're a wild olive shoot that's grafted in. When we become believers in Christ, we're part of the commonwealth of Israel, Ephesians 2. This incredible plan. And ultimately, it's not even about Israel. It's not about any of us. It's about God and reaching out to humanity. And he chooses Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And through this amazing nation that will come through Abraham, guess what? God isn't just playing favorites. He wants the whole world to be blessed, the whole world to be reached. So through Abraham, there's going to be this blessing of all nations. Through Abraham, the Messiah is going to come. Jesus, who says salvation is of the Jews, John 4, 22. And he's going to be the Messiah of Israel, but the Messiah of the world, the Lion of Judah, this incredible plan that God has. And Israel is at the focal point of that. And the church is... Is, it's going out and bringing the gospel message. And God will not be derailed. His plans and purposes and his covenants. And these are some amazing things. But to overcome that now is a whole other thing with the Jewish people. Because the things that we take as very dear to our hearts, for many Jewish people, are terrifying things. So, for, for instance, the cross. How many people are wearing a cross around their neck? Oh, yeah, a couple. Okay, well, how many people like the image of the cross? That means something to us. Okay, okay, the crown of thorns, the, the New Testament, all of these things, the name of Jesus. Who likes the name of Jesus? Okay, if I was in a room full of Jewish people and asked that, not a hand would go up. And a lot of this is perception of what they, it's not the reality of who Jesus was, but it's perception of time. And so for many Jewish people, the name Jesus is associated with murder and death. It's, a, it's associated with spiritual annihilation, getting rid of the Jews and turning them into something else or just getting rid of them. The cross is a horrific symbol of murder. If you think about it, in the Crusades, they put big crosses on their surcoats and went to rid the, the Holy Land of infidels what they called uh, the Muslims, but along the way, they realized, hey, Jews are just as bad, so they would uh, do horrific things to the Jews, the Spanish Inquisition, uh, all of these associations, that's what I'm talking about, not genuine Bible-believing Christians, but even this, and this is a heavy thing to swallow, for, and this doesn't obviously relate to all Jewish people, but some Jewish people believe Adolf Hitler was a good Christian, like, so when you start, like, as a Christian, encountering people like this, how do I love them? How do I show them the love of Christ? Yet, when they believe some of these things, or have heard these things, or the perceptions, these are mountains to cross over. 
Well, how could Adolf Hitler be called a good Christian? Well, perceptions was this. Every year on Christmas and Easter, the gas chambers and the crematoriums were closed. We have hundreds of thousands of witnesses that came out of the Holocaust hearing the SS singing Christmas carols. Hitler was a church member. They had on their belt buckles, in God we trust. And they had the highest honor of the German army could be an iron cross. You see the associations. Obviously, he wasn't. But the, asso the associations some Jewish people take with that is mind-blowing. And it's painful. And so when they meet Christians, particularly Christians that want to build relationships with them and, and be a light, there's suspicion, there's hurt, there's like stay back, and there's defenses put up. Well, what we do as an organization is bring those down. And we bring them down gently. And we bring them down with a lot of prayer. And we have to show ourselves over and over that we're not those types that this is unconditional love. Because for so many Jewish people, what they have experienced in the past was conditional love, which isn't real love. Can you imagine if, if my wife and I had conditional love and that was our relationship? Like the moment you don't do something, well, these are my conditions, well, then I'm out of there. Well, for, for many of the Jewish people throughout church history, that's exactly what it was. We'll accept you, we'll love you, we'll feed you if, if you accept Jesus. If you don't, we hate you, we'll take your things, we don't want you around, we'll put you in ghettos, we'll isolate you, we'll humiliate you. And we're saying, we'll just love you because. And we're being a light, and we're seeing amazing things happen. They are like an abused people when it comes to the church and the synagogue. Imperfect people, of course, with their warts and all like everybody else. But it's, it's a very unique mission field. It's a very unique ministry because it's difficult. And it's like the, the level of trust. And I'm going to just end before I pass this on to Deanna because I could just keep talking and talking and talking. But I'll share one little story. This is what the Lord is doing, okay? Because the Lord is shaking the church and he's shaking the synagogue. Despite the dark history, things are happening that it's totally God. It's only God, because in, in human understandings, if you in, study in-depthly the history of Christian anti-Semitism, Christian-Jewish relations, and look through the history, you're like, whoa, why would any Jewish person want to even be seen a thousand miles in, in, to like a Christian? But God is doing incredible things. He's building uh, trust. The, the, uh, the church of Israel is growing. Incredible things are happening. And the people of Israel are coming back to God. And it's baby steps, maybe, but they're coming back to God and asking those questions and searching and praying and honestly looking for and expecting the Messiah. Now, these are incredible things. Deanna and I, when we were in Israel, we were invited to a home, okay? We were invited to a home for Shabbat, for Sabbath. Now, this is like, these guys were really orthodox. Long black coat, long beard, kind of like the chap right in the front, minus the dreads, Okay? <laughs> Big beard, he had the peyote, the peyote, so maybe two dreads, you could call it, like hanging down, black hat, Rabbi Menachem Schneerson's portrait on the wall, like this is full Sabbath, and we do the, the blessing of the, the, the bread and the wine, and the washing of their hands, and we do the prayers, we sing some songs, his children are all around there, and then he says, Shabbat Shalom, eat, enjoy the food, and he turns and looks at me and says, Peter, why do you believe Jesus is the Messiah? And I was just like, he would only ask that because he trusts me and he knows that I love him unconditionally. 
Like, it, 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 I tell you, things are happening. And so I shared to him, and he goes, that is very interesting. Ah, and then he's like some hummus or whatever. So <laughs> God is doing some incredible things in Israel, and Israel is still the apple of his eye. He's a covenant-keeping God, and he's doing amazing, amazing things. So now I'm going to pass it over to my beautiful wife. Thank you. This is on, I'm assuming. Okay. We, we know that throughout our lives, God was actively teaching and preparing us. Um, you know, sometimes we don't know what's happening in our lives, for what reason is happening, but God always has a purpose and he has a plan. And for us, there were so many unknowns along the way, and obviously we're not finished with life yet, but we're looking back and we're seeing that even though there are challenges and unknowns that we face, that God was always there. And God has a perfect plan for us. We just need to be willing for that. Um, we noticed that it was only due to our faith in Christ and incorporating biblical truths in our lives that gave us a solid foundation to work from. And that's what's so important about your time here at Prairie, to get that solid foundation. Because we found that after our time with Prairie Bible College, a few years later, um, the Lord launched us to go minister in Israel. Um, I just want to encourage you a little bit because... You are on a faith journey, and it doesn't matter if how young or old you you are, but you may not know what the future holds, or you're needing to make a decision of some sort of the future, and knowing what step to take, but we know this, God has a perfect and specific plan for you to glorify his name, it's all about him, it's not about us, and he wants us to share him with others. All that God requires of us is to be willing to be a multiple vessel. Um, just to give you a little history of our, our love for Israel, um, the love for Israel and the Jewish people was an integral part of Peter's upbringing. God has stirred a passion in Peter for the Jews, for solid biblical teaching, and for the church to understand God's covenantal purposes with Israel and the church. In contrast, I grew up um, hardly even giving Israel or the Jewish people a second thought. And I, I, I was a believer from a very young age, and I grew up in a Christian home. So it's such a stark difference of, um, of our upbringing, but how the Lord brought us together. This revelation of the importance of Israel and the Jewish people happened in my early 20s. It's very clear in the Bible that the Jewish people are dear to his heart. And as a believer, I want to love what he loves because he has an active, ongoing, never-ending plan for them and his covenant with them. The Lord gave us a clear calling to minister to the Jewish people, and through Bridges for Peace, we're able to show practical Christ-like love to the Jewish people. In 2010, we answered the Lord's call to serve, and we moved to Israel, not knowing how long we would be there, but we had hearts to serve. I just kind of want to give you a little snapshot of Israel, and I know there's an Israel tour going on later this year, um, but Israel is not what you see on the news. It is a beautifully diverse and eclectic place. Uh, it's got so many different cultures, and it's got Jews from at least 70 different countries um, that have immigrated there. Uh, it's the only place in the world where God has said in his word that he has placed his name on the land. And it's really interesting to note that the Jewish presence in the land has been there ever since the time of Joshua. Israel is very small. Now, we did a little bit of calculations. Israel can fit into Alberta 35 times. 
It's roughly the same size as Vancouver Island. Now that is the most contested real estate in the world. And it's such a small little nation. Um, Israelis are very animated and they have a blend of European and Middle Eastern. So you have absolutely no personal space when you're there. Um, I, I remember we'd go on the public transportation. I'm like literally surrounded and hugged by people. And, um, it, but they're the most helpful people in times of need. I'd be walking down the street and the bottom of my grocery bag would fall down and there'd be like all these cans rolling down the street and I'd have like seven people just jump and grab the cans and give me their bags and, and then they'd go on with their life. And I was like, you know what, that's such a beautiful aspect of the culture. Um, when we were volunteering there, uh, Peter was managing many different departments and uh, they had to do with like, Christian education, working with the young adults specifically, and interfacing with the local Jewish leaders. I was involved as a manager of the human resources department, so I had the unique opportunity to bring volunteers from all over the world and help them adjust to their time in Israel. And um, I also had a unique experience to have direct involvement with the government ministries there because I was getting visas for people. So both of us also had many opportunities to do work projects in the community, to deliver food to the needy, and um, also uh, give food to the Holocaust survivors. And it was a very humbling experience. Um, we were, were forever changed from our time that we were in Israel. God equipped us with a priceless experience. He shaped our hearts. He taught us many, many lessons in humility. And he, taught, he taught us about reconciliation on personal levels, and he showed us what it truly means to give unconditional love. Relationships with people are messy. Nobody's perfect. But through servitude, we were able to be a witness in word and deed. And God tells us through his word what is good. He requires us to do justly, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with him. We were blessed to have served in Israel for over three years. And even though we didn't understand at the time when the Lord had called us to return to Canada, we look back and we clearly see God's hand guiding and shaping us. He used that time in Israel as further training for the next step of our lives. When we arrived back in Canada, not knowing what his plans were, God opened the doors for us to be actively involved with the Bridges for Peace Canada office. And you heard a little letter from Eric Malloy, our previous boss, who was listening to the call of the Lord and decided to continue with uh, having us join the, join the team. But despite the... Despite the dis distance that we have with Israel now, we've been able to maintain our strong connections within Israel and further build those relationships. And I just want to give you a little snapshot into the, the different kind of connections that we were able to make when we were there. It, it was so diverse, and it was, it was a God thing. God had his hand on all the different people that we were meeting. We, we were able to meet with Orthodox Jewish rabbis, city mayors, government officials, Palestinian Arab journalists and Christian pastors, military commanders, Holocaust survivors, and thousands of needy people, Jew and Arab, that we, we were able to give assistance to through our projects. Uh, current, currently in the Bridges for Peace Canada office, I serve as administration and accounts role and basically do the stuff that people don't want to do in the office. So I've got many, many hats and I get to flex my creativity muscles. <laughs> and Peter, as you heard, has just recently become the national director. 
On a personal level, um, we have been blessed with two beautiful children, Judah, who's age five, and Naomi, who's age two. And they teach us so much about ourselves, and we have learned so much more about God than we ever thought possible. So it's, if you asked me years and years ago where I, where I thought I'd be right now, I would never have said this, but it's incredible. And when God moves, he moves quickly, and he moves well, and he equips us along the way. Thanks, Dee. So we're doing some incredible work. Um, and actually, you guys could even be a part of it one day if, you, if the Lord calls you, because we are also a volunteer organization. We have, at any given time, 60 to 70 people from 15 countries, roughly, in Israel, short-term, long-term, doing incredible things. And I'll tell you a little bit about that, but I want to just end with, on this part, about just the blessing of Israel and the blessing of the church. And, you know, there's some amazing things going on. Despite the history, um, despite the history, God is blessing. And I, one of the amazing ways that I see that in Israel is with our Feed a Child program. We have 400 children in 10 schools that are on this program, and we get to impact their lives, the lives of their children, the teachers, the principals. So like that 400 people becomes thousands potentially, and other people in the areas. And Christians now, this is the neat thing, are becoming heroes to a lot of these people. Um, and that's the amazing thing, because for a lot of Jewish people that, that I've met, when, when you start talking about Christian-Jewish relationships, you can see them kind of pull back a little bit, uh, whether it, it was from being called Christ killers when they're young and being beat up or spit on by Christians in the countries that they came from and came back to Israel. That was their experience. So for many Jewish people, they've never had a positive Christian experience in their life. The Christians they've met don't like them. Um, but for a lot of other Jewish people, the, they, they've only ever had a positive Christian experience or the Christians they interact with have just loved them. And that begins to, to shape and transform things in their mind. A Christian isn't a monster or a boogeyman or something really scary. A Christian it reflects the, the, the light of Jesus and in, in their lives and where they go. And that is attractive. That is something that draws them. It's warming. It's peace. And it, it, there's a lot of things about that. And so with the children and the, their parents, they're seeing this. And, and that's just an exciting thing because it's like, I can't go back in time and change things, but I'm not bound to that. And God is using and moving us forward and taking his word to all nations and just transforming lives. And I can see that in Israel with the Jewish people. And with the church, we do so many amazing things, but I, I brought a few things up here. This is all free. You guys, if you, anybody wants, you can take some of these things here. But we do a lot of uh, professional publications. We have a magazine. We have uh, what we call teaching letters. We do. We have volunteer opportunities I mentioned, but also a young adult program. Uh, who here is between the ages of 18 to 30? Mark, Mark you can put up your hand. There we go. Okay. We, we have a, 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 the young adult arm of Bridges for Peace called Zealous 8-2, and that's from Zechariah 8-2, where he says, the Lord God says, I am zealous for Zion, or I'm jealous for Zion. 
And, um, and it's a really discipleship. And that's kind of how I've changed in my thinking. Israel isn't just going on a holiday or going on a tour. It actually is part of discipleship and growth because it's our heritage, our spiritual heritage, our, the heroes of our faith in Hebrews 11 are Jews. Our Messiah is Jewish, the Lion of Judah. And, and, and the scriptures that are so precious to us come out of this for the world. And so it's part of discipleship and understanding um, these terms of baptism and discipleship aren't Christian uh, inventions. They come out of a rich biblical history um, that means something that we continue to take on today, right? Communion was a Passover Seder. It means something. And so it really is a part and should be viewed as a part of discipleship. And so we have an 11-month discipleship program for eight, uh, 18 to 30-year-olds. A lot of people do them as gap years, but you can be full-time volunteers. You get discipled, Bible training, you even learn about finances, and you live in an incredible country and have a really diverse experience. So that's something if you're interested in. There's flyers up here to do if you're graduating or sometime in the future, just to think about it. Israel isn't perfect. Absolutely not. And some people get shocked because they go there thinking they're going to the, the Holy Land and they're going to see the chosen people and they must all have halos. Israelis are not perfect, but it's an amazing place because you feel in a very unique way, um, the, a very concentrated, the presence of God and history. And this is where Jesus walked and this is where the kings lived and the prophets spoke from and the apostles were and the disciples went out from this land. It's a really unique Land And when you are there, it's like reading the Bible in Technicolor. It really is. And so we have just tons of opportunities. And it just hang up. I was getting a weird phone call there. And we're going to go just close with a video. But actually, just right before the video, I'm just going to say a brief prayer. And then after the video, I'm giving it back to Kendi. Okay, I won't just dismiss them, right? Yeah, you're dismissed. No. Okay, so let me just pray for you. Because I was once in your chair, actually in a duff, another building that is now condemned and destroyed and no more. Um, but I was it, it, symbolically, metaphorically in your chair I was a, as a student. I know what you're going through. I know the desire to procrastinate versus homework and things like that. And I just want to pray a blessings over you. And I don't know how many profs are in this room, but I want to pray as well, blessings over them because it's not easy. They are mentors. They are teachers. They are friends, they come alongside at this pivotal point in our lives, as well as all the alumni that attest to it, and way more, the thousands and thousands of people that have come out of here since 1922. So let me just pray, and then we'll watch this video. Dear Heavenly Father, I just praise your name, Lord God. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We just praise you. You are the Ancient of Days, the Creator, the Alpha and the Omega, Lord God, we just thank you for what you are doing in this world, this broken world, but how you are redeeming people to yourself, how your light is going out, Lord, how your church, even persecuted, muchly persecuted in so many countries, the church is growing and it's strong. But, oh, Father, let us stay close to you. Let us stay close to your word. Let us not compromise truth. Let us be servants and witnesses from this place and wherever we go. Bring divine appointments across our doorstep, Lord. 
that we would encourage, be encouragers in your name, that we would transform the people we connect with, our communities. And one day, every one of these students, Lord, you're going to call them out of this college and into all kinds of different places that they will live and things that they will do. But let them never forget the training of this time, the growth of this time. And I pray blessings over every one of these students. Keep them healthy and strong. Keep them sharp. Help them to be courageous and persevere. I pray over the professors, every single one of them, Lord. These incredible leaders, these mentors, these people with vast amounts of knowledge, but also to be able to take that knowledge and practically pour it into the lives of students and to pour in love and encouragement and support to live that out and just keep them from harm. Keep them from harm. I thank you for the alumni. Blessings. This being here is just a testament, a little drop in a bucket to the, to the decades and decades of prairie grads that have gone out and changed the world. I thank you for Mark and Elaine. I thank you for the leadership of this college, Lord, for everybody and all the parts that they play. No one is better than the other. You've called everyone to the role that they're, they're at. But in particular, I just pray over Mark and Elaine that you would just pour into them fresh vision, energy, strength, wisdom, And I just thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in this college and how this college is changing the world and furthering your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.